and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, my name is Jessica Marcel. My pronouns are she, her, and I am one of the two foster parent recruiters, trainers, and licensors for NAFI Foster Care. Hi, my name is Chantel Jackson. My pronouns are she, her, and I am also part of the recruiting, licensing, and training team at NAFI Foster Care. All right. Thank you both for joining me today. A little bit later in the show, we will talk about the work you guys do to help people become foster parents and the need for foster parents in Rhode Island. But before we get into that, let's start off as we always do with what have you been reading? Taylor, I'm very excited about this because I love the Cranston Public Library and I'm there once a week, seriously. Um, I try to read a book a week, so <laughs> I know she's doing better than me then. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, you read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recently read the book Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Um, it was so incredible. It's a fiction novel. Generation spanning, it centers on two siblings who are estranged but have to come together after the death of their mother. Um, And they receive their inheritance, which is a Caribbean black cake. And uh, they start learning their family's long history that they didn't know and how it's tied to the inheritance they received. Beautiful. I loved it. Um, I actually, when I was reading it, found out that several of my friends were also reading it at the same time. Uh, So that was my last book I read in January. Um, And then a really wonderful book that I recently read, too, was The School for Good Mothers uh, by Jessamine Chan, another novel, uh, kind of dystopian, a little bit like I don't like to read books about foster care because I do foster care. (laughs) But this one kind of did touch on those subjects of child welfare Uh, takes place in a, you know, hopefully very distant future where Moms are punished for um, not caring for their kids as best as they could by being sent to a a parenting retraining facility. Um, It's scary. It really put me on the other side of foster care um, and just child welfare. It was a very, very tough read, but I loved it. Um, I mean, I could talk for a long time about books. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I read them a lot. Chantel, what about you? Um, so I don't read a lot. I wish that I did. Um, I used to, um, I actually have three young kids now. So most of my reading is done by reading the bedtime stories. And my two oldest are just now getting into some chapter books. So, um, they like Judy Bloom. They've been reading those, um, and then my little one, we just, we read like little five minute short stories every night. Um, so that's the extent of my reading right now in my life. But hopefully at some point I can take these recommendations and <laughs> read my own kind of book. So. You'll get back. You'll get yeah. back to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we're enjoying all the kids' stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then let me ask you, then you said that your kids really enjoy Judy Bloom. What has been like your book that you've read to them that's been your favorite? Um, God, let me think. I can't think of the name of it, but it's about, um, it's about, oh, it's called On the Night You Were Born. Do you know that one? It's, it's a lot of, it's like a kind of a pretty famous kids book. Um, and it just goes by, like, it talks about like 
all the stuff that happened on the night this particular child was born and how um, like the universe worked to kind of make this child born at this night at this time and how everything kind of works together. Um, it's an awesome book. And I'm really glad I remember the name because I didn't think that was good. <laughs> <laughs> really That's good. okay. If you had had the premise with Dave and I's librarian powers combined, we might have been able to figure it out. We, we do pretty it. good with the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so everything we talk about in terms of books, movies, and stuff are in the show notes. We usually do a pretty good job of figuring it out. That's good. I'm glad I remembered it. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a really... Uh, a really sweet book. I don't it think is. I read it myself, but it's really cute. It's it's really nice. Um, and so I'm kind of between books right now. And some uh, um, one of the books I'm going to start soon. We're going to talk to the author of. So I don't want to talk uh, quite about that. But another book that's on my nightstand that I'm about to get into is called Survive the Dome, um, which is a YA sci-fi book. Like I said, I haven't started yet, but the basic premise is um, there is a protest that happens and they have an ability to put like a dome over the city um, when the protest starts and it follows an aspiring photojournalist, young photojournalist um, trying to figure out what's happening and uh, and I think partially survive this uh, scenario now that the police, the government um, has kind of trapped everyone in the city now that the civil unrest has happened. So I'm a big sci-fi fan, so I'm interested to start that and kind of see the how the sci-fi elements combined with this really timely story about um, about kind of the police and protests and, uh, and all of these timely things that are going on everywhere in this country, but that have led to protests in um, in major cities. Taylor, that sounds really, really good. Have you read The School for Good Mothers? No. Oh my gosh. It has so many elements of sci-fi in it. Um, I think you would love it. I'll have to check it out. It's funny. And uh, everyone listening at home can mark off the time that Taylor mentions the book committee that she's on. Again, maybe <laughs> maybe Dave just keeps editing these out because I swear it comes up every week. <laughs> currently, I'm reading for the Teen Book Award Committee. So like the stuff I'm reading and talk about on the show every week is for this committee. Um, for a large t- time of the year, I'm in like kind of a YA, YA zone. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for me to find time to read adult books, but I like mm-hmm. would like to do it more because I know that there's a lot of stories that are, you know, like are meant for me as an audience, are mm-hmm. written for me as a fully matured person versus <laughs> like uh versus YA books. As much as I I do enjoy reading it, that's why I work on the committee. But it's hard for me sometimes to circle around to the adult books. I'm like, after the committee's done, I'm going to read that. And then the like, my to read list is just like so long. Oh, mine is, is astronomical. <laughs> and I don't, because I go back and forth between, I read a lot of nonfiction and then I'll be like watching the news or, you know, talking about something. And then I bulk up on like nonfiction books. So like I have, I waiting for this book about environmental policy that's on hold at the library <laughs> and like um you know I do a lot I read a lot about um mental health and trauma um because I'll be like reading something or an article about how you know things with foster care and how that can relate to you know adult relationships and I'll be like oh that sounds like a really great book and then I overload my brain on that stuff. <laughs> 
So I need a good novel once in a while. But it sounds like you're really keeping on top of being an informed citizen and informed person. So Mm -hmm. that's great because I really, there's a lot of things that I feel like I personally would like to learn about, but I really struggle with reading nonfiction. And I don't Mm -hmm. fully understand why, because I do enjoy learning and learning about new things. Um, That's something I also in the new year have wanted to do a little more of is read nonfiction and kind of, yeah, like you said, look into some of these things that I'm curious about and Mm -hmm. um, find out a little more than just like an article can tell me online, Right. you know? Yeah. To be fair, sometimes it's like reading a textbook, right? Mm -hmm. So, no, it's a little dry sometimes, but some of them are so wonderful. I'm a fan. (laughs) So besides reading, have either of you been watching anything interesting? So what I prefer is reality TV. Um, so, I mean, the most recent thing I watched is Love is Blind on Netflix. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe it sort of relates to like us working in human services, but I just love watching like people's behavior and um, trying to figure out like relationships and like how all that stuff kind of works. So that show was ideal for me yeah it's really cool I don't know if you guys have seen it but it's on Netflix and it's awesome it's like a sociology experience yes it is have you heard of it Taylor I've heard of it I know the concept is that they like they don't see each other until they decide that they want to like get married yeah Yeah. oh basically yeah like they they basically get engaged right um at the point when they meet so it's really cool. They kind of date. It's kind of like speed dating, but they date through like, you know, they're in two different rooms the entire time. So it's very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chantel tells me all about her, her reality TV. Yes. And I, and I listen to it at dutifully as a friend. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Our um, number one favorite reality show, though, Jess and I. Is Jersey Shore. (laughs) That's from years ago, but that's our favorite. Yep. I think it's my mom that made this observation the first time, so I want to credit her with it, but um, now I'm totally blanking on which one. One of them's from Rhode Island, right? Yeah, Holly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so my mom was always like, it's very telling that one of them could come from Rhode Island and fit right in with everyone on the Jersey Shore. Like definitely telling in a good way or a bad way <laughs> for you to judge. But yeah. that basically her uh, her observation was, that I guess, that Rhode Island were very culturally similar to New Jersey. Oh, for sure. Which, yeah, which I have mixed feelings about. But... <laughs> um, yep, that, that was definitely one of the shows that we started watching when we were so young. And now here we are. Still love it. Every Thursday, we looked forward to it. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So I, it sounds like it really will feel like to the listeners that I have like so much time and I never work, but I, I do work and I do have a son, but my child is in middle school. He doesn't hang out with me anymore. Um, I, as much as I love reading, I love television. I am a TV obsessed person. Everyone in my office asks me for recommendations about what to watch all the time. I use, I like movies. I I watch movies, but I feel like with streaming television and like the quality TV that there is now, I watch it way more. So right now I'm watching The Last of Us on HBO. Um, it's based on a video game about a 
fungal apocalypse. Um, I absolutely love it. HBO always kills it with their everything, everything they put out. I love um, this one is fantastic. Acting, the character writing is so wonderful. Um, my husband actually and my son both played the game. They said it's very similar. So uh, I'm watching that right now. It's on HBO Sunday nights. <laughs> and then I just discovered what we do in the shadows on FX. <laughs> it's a comedy about vampires. Kayla, have you seen it? <laughs> no, everyone's telling me that I should watch it. Both the shows you mentioned are on my to watch list. I'm waiting for all of The Last of Us to come out and, and my boyfriend and I will binge it. Um, I watched him play the whole game. Yeah. Uh, when we first got together, that was kind of like our quarantine activity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which was funny because I was like, I don't know emotionally how I'm going to jive with this while we're <laughs> currently like in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fine there was part of me that was just like i hope it doesn't come to this when you see all the houses that are trashed like oh my just, god like, abandoned and like uh it's so gives you chills it, yeah it, it was definitely my husband played it and my son played it with him they loved it um but the mark for me of a good show is if i'm watching it and then i find out Chantel's husband is watching it mm-hmm. we watch all the same shows they like the same books they have a lot in common mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like we were like texting furiously during Game of Thrones when yeah. that was on. So, uh, and he's also watching The Last of Us. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do in the shadows, totally different, silly, stupid humor. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, and then the best recommendation I can give anyone is the show that was on FX and is now on Hulu called Better Things. And the it's about a single mom. She's raising three daughters. She lives in Hollywood um, and the woman who is like the main character is this actress, Pamela Adlon, who was the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. And so <laughs> oh, the <okay>. show <laughs> is pretty, it's semi-autobiographical because the, at the character she plays is this woman named Sam Fox, who is also a voice actor. And, it, and she also has, you know, she has three kids. Her British mother lives across the street. They have a strange relationship. The kids all have like tough relationships with mom. And it really is just as a parent, as a woman who she's, you know, she sees a lot of roles not go to her or she's not often taken seriously in her job because she's a woman voice actor. Um, I think that, you know, it resonated with me so much. I love this show. I tell everyone about it. She is a phenomenal actress. I want to be her daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they live in this beautiful house full of art and they have like, it's not like one of those like houses that you see in typical shows where everything is perfect. It's like messy and lived in and she's constantly cooking for the kids. And like, even if they're all mad at each other, they still, she makes them this big, beautiful meal. Um, I loved it. Just ended, I think last summer um, and you can get it on Hulu. Highly recommend. Very funny. Well, that sounds really that sounds really good. Is what we do in the shadows also on Hulu? Yep. Okay. It is the silliest show I've ever. I was watched. like, am I gonna have to search out and see if it's on a streaming service that I have? But I have Hulu, so Hulu. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. 
I um I haven't been watching too many new shows lately, but my mom and I just watched uh, a movie together this past weekend. We watched Bros, which didn't it did go out in the theaters, but it didn't do super well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought overall it was a fun movie. It's supposed to be kind of like a uh, a gay rom com, like mm-hmm. taking your your heteronormative rom com and having it star these two guys who are kind of like both a little bit commitment phobic, which is sometimes a stereotype in, in the gay community. Um, and I thought it was like really interesting commentary on that culture, as well as it was also a good rom-com, I think. You know what I mean? Like I was mm. rooting for them. I wanted them to get together. Um, definitely not a movie you want to watch with the kids around. Mm-hmm. I, I keep picking these movies. Me and my mom keep picking these movies that, and I just go into it being like, let's just watch this movie. It'll be fun. And then I'll be like, oh, okay. Now that's happening. <laughs> on screen. Yeah. All right. Do you want to crawl cool. out of your skin? Because I can't. I'm a fully formed adult and I cannot watch <laughs> any sort of like anything with my mom, like any love scenes or anything. I want to just hide under the couch. Mm. It seems like my mom is pretty chill about it, which I'm like, all right, if she's Mine chill too. about it, then I guess I could be chill about it. But uh, yeah, it's just funny to me sometimes <laughs> that I'm just like, I didn't mean to do this. Mm. Like, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> But yeah, but it was fun, and there were some moments where, because one of the main characters works for a the first LGBTQ plus museum, like national museum that's going to be in New York, and some of their board meeting conversations, I just like, um, felt like a kind of like outsider's view on the community and the way that the community discusses things. So sometimes I had some moments of just being like, oh my gosh, is that what we're like? Is mm. that what? Is that what the queer community is like with all of our like insular conversations? Because it seems like it was like each of them was vibing for like their particular part of the acronym to be like the big last exhibit that they hadn't picked from. And yeah, it was just it felt a little too real sometimes that I'm just like, is this is this what we look like as a community to people not in that community? Um, which was kind of eye opening. So. Um, but yeah, it was fun. If you, uh, I think you'll appreciate it whether you're in the queer community or not. Cause, um, yeah. And I'm a little bummed it didn't do as well in the theaters cause it seemed mm. like people didn't want to go out for it. I thought the advertising was weird for it. I think too, like I didn't fully understand what it was from the previews mm. that I saw mm. that I was like, Oh, do they get together or are they friends? Cause it's called bros. Like, is this mm-hmm. going to be a weird thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe advertising could have been better too. And that's what partially why it didn't do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Billy Eichner was in that, right? He wrote it too. I yeah. It. Oh, okay. So he was, he was co-writer in it. Yeah. I remember when it came out, I thought it looked good. I'll have to check it out. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Enjoy the latest movies, music, ebooks, and audiobooks instantly with Hoopla. Cranston Public Library cardholders can borrow up to five instant titles each month with no wait times or holds. 
You can download the free Hoopla digital mobile app on your Android or iOS device or visit www.hoopladigital.com to begin enjoying thousands of titles from major Hollywood studios, record companies, and publishers available to borrow for instant streaming or temporary downloading to your smartphone, tablet, and computer. The library is launching a new collection, School Tools. Check out tools, toys, games, and interesting objects for learning and play from Central Library, including a microscope, toy cast register, robots, and more. The tools are meant to support parents who are teaching at home and encourage kids to pursue their passions. If you have suggestions or feedback for this new collection, email emily at emilybrown at cranstonlibrary.org. So um, <laughs> I want us to have enough time to talk about what you guys came here to talk about. So first and foremost, can you talk a little bit about, see, I already forgot the acronym. Uh, yes. <laughs> talk a little bit about the organization you work for and, and what you guys do. So NAFI stands for North American Family Institute. Um, we've been around for over 30 years we're in all different states, um, Northeast and some down South. Um, we are a nonprofit organization and, um, and here in Rhode Island, we have group homes that serve um, teens um, and we have one adult group home as well. Um, and then we have our foster care program, which is the one that Jess and I work for. And we have some outpatient um, services as well. Um, so those are called EOS um, and our MST programs. Um, and those serve um, kids that are in foster care, kids that are on the verge of being removed from home. Um, they also try to preserve in-home placements if they can. Um, and then kids who um, have criminal behavior as well. Um, so that's kind of naffy. But Jess and I, like I said, we are part of the foster care program, which is called the Professional Parent Program. Um, so I can tell you a little bit about our program. So the foster care program serves kids zero to 21 across Rhode Island. We have foster homes. You know, we try to have them everywhere. Of course, that's not always possible, but it is our goal. We would love to have a foster home in every community. Um, so our kids are infants till 21 years old. Um, and when they come to us, they come referred through DCYF. So we are subcontracted through DCYF um, and we work with them to place children in homes that uh, we think would be the best possible match. We are able to do that by Chantel and I. Um, we don't just come on to podcasts and talk about the need for foster care. Um, we license homes. And when we license homes, we, we become foster parent experts. So um, we learn everything we can about the families that we work with in order to make the best possible matches for the kids. Um, we know that children who are placed in, I mean, we don't want kids to be removed from home, period. We would love for all kids to be able to be maintained in their own homes, but we know that that's not always possible. So if kids are placed into a foster home, we want them to be able to stay there. Um, we know that kids who are moved around a lot um, and have a lot of foster placements or placement disruptions um, are going to not do as well academically, um, socially, and it does affect their relationships as adults. 
Um, so NAFI works with a team of uh, clinicians and case managers to make sure that every child placed in the homes, whether they're toddlers or they're 18 years old, um, are receiving clinical services to make sure that any type of uh, mental health need or behavioral health need are met. I think I covered what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that all sounds great. Um, so you talked about licensing foster parents mm-hmm. or foster homes. So can you talk a little bit for someone who doesn't know about the process, like what is involved in becoming a foster parent? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Chantel. Yes, sure. <laughs> so um, to become a foster parent, you have to apply just like um, any other job. So um, there's an electronic portal that you can apply through um, that's right through the um, DCYF website. Um, it's called Binti, and that will take you through the first um, steps of the process, um, which starts with um, an application, um, clearances, DCYF clearances, and fingerprinting, and then um, training. So um, those that's kind of the first uh, steps to becoming a foster parent. And then um, the training is called the, it's called a TIPS MAP training, which most of them now are all virtual. Um, and it's a trauma-informed training. It's really good. Um, it's 30 hours. Um, and everybody has to go through that in the state of Rhode Island if they want to become licensed. Um, so once that stuff is done, um, and I'm giving you a very like short summarized version of this, um, we start a home study which kind of goes through um, the applicant's entire life. So if it's a couple, we go through both, um, you know, both people's lives, single person, that's fine too. We go through everybody's um, basically childhood to now. There's a couple of questionnaires they have to answer um, that help us write the home study. We get references um, that they give us so that we can send letters to them and see um, get some positive um, feedback on the applicants before we license them. Um, and then every agency kind of has like their own paperwork um, with their own policies and stuff like that. And then once all that's done, we um, make our whole packet and submit it to licensing and then hopefully it gets approved. That's a very short version of the process, but... Um, can I, I also just want to clarify that the training, the trauma-informed parenting training is 30 hours, but that is split up between 10 weeks. So it's a 10-week class where it's three hours a week, um, and it is all virtual now. So usually at night um, when people are available, we do ask that, you know, if you're a couple, that both parents attend all the trainings. Um, if you're single, but you have somebody that's going to be supporting you a lot, um, a part, you know, a partner, maybe that doesn't live with you, but is part of your life, we would want them to attend as well. Um, really, it's, you know, it sounds like, oh, you know, 10 weeks of training, what a drag, but it's actually super, super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps really to explain a lot of um, behavioral challenges you might face, um, you know, all kids are difficult. <laughs> Parenting is not always easy, but I think uh, kids who are in foster care come with a certain, a unique set of um, things that might be different from, you know, 
biological kids who you've had in your house. Jess and I both went through the training as well. We had to for um to become trainers. And it's really good. It's a it's it's not like Jess said, like you you don't dread it. Like you learn a lot um during that training. Mm-hmm. And so who who is a good candidate to become a foster parent? You want me to take this Chantel? Sure. <laughs> Anyone can be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. I do feel strongly that um, if you have the space in your heart to dedicate to a child, to standing in the gap and helping a family, um, talk to us. You know, we we love we love everybody who wants to become a foster parent. Um, you know, if you're single, if you're married, if you're in the LGBTQ community, if you are, you know, have a partner who lives in with you, if you have roommates, you know, we want to talk to you. Um, If you have been thinking about becoming a foster parent, um, we have answers for you, hopefully. Um, We're really looking for people who are, you know, over the age of 21, really, because we serve kids zero to 21. But other than that, if you have the availability in your schedule, um, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't get super easily uh, frustrated, (laughs) if you're willing to work with a team, if you're flexible, um, we want to talk to you. Most people who become foster parents do think about it for a long time before they actually take the leap and do it. Um, We found, I think... (laughs) Unofficial polling found that most of our parents have thought about it for about seven years before they actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. we, we don't have like, you know, you have to have a house. I know that they're in the past. And I think there's probably a lot of a lot of myths about foster care, a lot of stereotypes. Um, I've had people approach me, you know, who have said, well, I'm gay. And I was told, you know, I can't be a foster parent. That's not true. Uh, we want you. We want you to be be a foster parent. You know, um, you don't need to have a house. You can have an apartment as long as it meets fire code, <laughs> which we will do. We'll tell mm-hmm. you. Um, as long as you have two bedrooms and a lot of love in your heart, I think that you are a good candidate. Um, you know, right now, well, actually, in 2021, which is the last time we were able to get good data. There were 1,936 kids in Rhode Island that were in out-of-home placement. Um, right now in Rhode Island, there's 870 licensed foster families, and that includes kinship families. Those are families that are taking care of relatives or um, family friends. So at, obviously, there's like a thousand more kids than foster homes. Um, we want to bring that number up. We're right now really in need of good loving homes that want to help families reunify, um, that want to be that temporary place while parents are kind of, you know, working through what they need to. So um, really every community, you know, if you live in Barville and you're interested, we have a place for you. You know, if you live in Westerly and you're interested, there's a place for you. So I think really there's no such thing as a perfect foster parent. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. We want everyone who has that space in their heart and their home to, to if they're thinking about it, to give us a call. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about misconceptions around foster care. Um, so first off, you were saying about how you work with kids 
up to age 21, I was always Mm -hmm. under the impression that age 18 people age out of the foster care system Mm -hmm. and that, and a lot of young people really struggle because of that. So Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about how people can, I guess, like stay in the system till 21 and, and how your organization helps people do that? Um, Sure. So several years ago, I'm not, I I wish I could tell you what year. Um, We've both been doing this for a long time. So I don't, I don't exactly know when I'll say several. Um, A bill was passed to allow children who were in DCYF care to remain open until their 21st birthday. Um, So it was 18 previously to that. Um, DCYF does have a program that supports kids who are uh, 18 to 21 years old called the VET program, Voluntary Extension of Care. Um, And those kids are supported through case management and, uh, you know, social workers. We often like to keep our kids, we do have some kids in our program that we try to support until they're 21 within their foster homes. Uh, Most of us are not ready, even though we think we're ready at 18 to fly, (laughs) we're not. And so many of us are blessed to have those homes and those families that we can rely on when we're between 18 and 21. But, you know, the unfortunate reality is that so many of our kids do not. So our NAFI foster families, and I know a lot of foster families across the state, not just NAFI, um, do try to allow the kids that are in their home to stay until they're 21. They want to make sure that they have that solid foundation that they're ready to move out on their own. I mean, 21 is still kind of young for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think kids are, a lot of 21-year-olds are still living with their parents. Um, but this is the opportunity for them to continue getting some case management to help them kind of fill out the FAFSA and get colleges situated. And if college isn't their plan, then, you know, help them get into Job Corps or figure out what they want to do for employment. It's a really wonderful Thing that has been extended to kids through the state government that I think is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Are there any other misconceptions about foster care that you hear a lot that you'd like our audience to like miss that you'd like to bust? <laughs> I, um, a lot of the times I'll, when I talk about my job, people, it's, um, a lot of people say, well, I'm single, so I can't like, and like Jess was saying, that's not true. Um, we have actually a lot of foster parents that are single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely single people can, can do this job. Um, and then the other thing people say is like, oh God, I hear foster care is, you know, horrible. And how often do you guys check on the homes, you know? Um, and we, for NAFI are always in the homes. Um, we have our case managers who are in the homes either once a week or once every other week. Um, and then like Jess said, we have our clinicians who go out periodically um, to see the kids. And then Jess and I um, have to go out every quarter of the year. So um, four times a year to do a safety walkthrough of the home and meet with the parents. Um, and then on top of that, every two years, they have to be relicensed. So um, it's a, a different process, um, abbreviated to the original licensing process, but um, still involves us going and checking through everything. Um, so we are very on top of our parents. We love our parents, um, but we are, are always out there. Um, if I can also just add, there's like a couple other things. 
I'll try to be brief. <laughs> um, another myth I hear often is, well, I work. And so I can't be, a f- I think I've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, you know, all of foster parents work, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can work and be a parent. Um, and, you know, it's just figuring out how you fit it into your life and schedule. Um, so that's one. But the other one that I I think I hear a lot is um, the kids who come into foster care are orphans. Nobody wants them. Uh, their parents, they, you know, we a lot of times have to do a little bit of like reframing for people about, you know, parenting and, you know, biological parents who a lot of times I think are not our foster parents, but in, but people who are inquiring. Um, there's a lot of negative talk about biological parents. Um, and I think, you know, all of us are, it could could be one step away from having a really bad day. Um, and I think what the beautiful part about fostering is, is you're giving a family a hand up, right? You're giving them the what they need. You're caring for their children while they're getting their life together, whether it's their mental health or housing or substance use. We've seen a huge explosion of that since the pandemic started. Um, that kids are homeless or um, dealing with parental substance use or parental mental health issues. And I think, you know, there is something really wonderful to be said about these parents who are willing to <clears throat> be that person that that is there to catch the children while understanding that those parents are not bad people. They're, they're just dealing with something that maybe they didn't have the supports to deal with that the rest of us do. Um, so I think, you know, there's this common misconception that kids who are coming into foster care, their parents don't want them. Um, their parents are, you know, severely abusive. And that is, you know, certainly the case. There are kids who come in having been abused, but I'd say, you know, the majority of kids who are coming in are coming in temporarily. Reunification is always going to be the number one goal for every child. Um, and we want our parents to be cheerleaders for those parents. You know, it would be awful as a mom if I knew that somebody was out there hoping that I failed. And so we want our parents to be positive about the biological parents because, again, you know, anything could happen to any of us. And I think we're one bad day away all the time. So um, it's definitely a huge, huge misconception uh, that I would love to clear up that kids are wanted even if their parents are not in a stable state to be able to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like our biggest success stories, like if we think of our biggest success stories with the kids, um, whether they found permanency with adoption or um, did age out or did um, stay in foster care long-term or did get reunified in the best case scenarios, the foster parents and the bio parents work as a team Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of creates the most support for the child. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with that, Jess. Thank you. (laughs) So Chantel, you're talking about the, again, that there's a varied amount of time that children can be placed with Mm -hmm. a foster home. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about maybe, I know it's hard. Every situation is probably different, but I know 
if I was someone listening to this, maybe, and again, then maybe this is a misconception of mine, I would be like, wow, if I brought like an elementary schooler into my home and they're going to stay in the foster care system until 21 and, you know, if they don't find permanency somewhere else, like that's a long-term commitment mm-hmm. for me. So um, could you talk a little bit about, I don't know, I guess like allay some people's concerns that maybe becoming a foster parent might be more of a permanent situation than I don't know where I'm going. Do you guys know where I'm going? Than fostering? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, it could go any way, um, Mm -hmm. like you said. So that's, that's definitely true. Um, We have some parents that, you know, they come on just wanting to foster and then they end up adopting um, like Five kids. Five kids. Yep. <laughs> um, which is amazing and great. Um, but we've had, it, it really is hard to say. Um, we've had kids come in that, you know, their plan is to um, be adopted, but then the the um, they end up getting reunified um, in like four to six months. And then we have some children that um, come in as a, as a short term and end up being um longer term yeah so (laughs) it's it's really hard to say so when we um kind of recruit and talk to our parents that's what we say um is that you never really know um which path it's going to take um Mm -hmm. but we're there to support the child and the foster family and the bio family the whole the the whole process so they're never alone um, mm-hmm. is what I would want people to know. Like you've got Jess and I, and I that walk you through the whole licensing process step-by-step. Step, um, and then we're there even after as a support um, for the parents. And then the case managers are there and the clinicians, the entirety of the placement. So no matter what direction it goes in, we're, we're always there with them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. That was very well said. Thank you for <laughs> for stating the answer a little more well well said than I of was course. able to formulate. Jess it. and I have been doing this for so long. I think we've seen uh, <laughs> we've seen it go in every direction. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, so, do you both just want to reiterate for people who are listening at home if they listen to this conversation and said, you know what? this is something I've been thinking about, or maybe it's something they haven't been thinking about, but this conversation really made them think about fostering as an option um, where they can go to find out more information and to get into contact with either, either of you or your organization. Um, Sure. I can, I can tell you. Um, So we are, we can be found on the internet at uh, nappyri.org. Um, that's N-A-F-I-R-I.org. Um, we're also on Facebook at Nappy Rhode Island. You can find us there. Um, you can also check out the DCYF uh, Facebook page. That's uh, Be an Anchor R-I. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful stories of like foster parent wins and fostering wins. Um, and we partner with them on a lot of things. Uh, so their website, the DCYF, website will take you to any information you need for foster care as well. Um, And then actually Chantal and I will be live in person at the Warwick Public Library on March 13th from 530 to 7. So people can feel free if they're interested to come on down. Um, We always bring snacks. Very important that there's snacks. Yep. Uh, (laughs) There's a usually party pizza, Um, but come on down and ask us any questions. Um, We love talking about foster care. 
Um, we've both, I mean, collectively, I think we've been doing this for 20 years. If you put all our time together, um, it's we're both super passionate about it. And I think, you know, we can give everybody whatever information they need to make their decision on next steps. All right. So we end the show with a segment I call The Last Chapter, where we talk about a library or bookish-related question. So I thought I would ask you both. Originally, I was just going to ask you both a book that you recommend to everyone. But I think to keep it specific to our conversation about becoming a foster parent, is there a book that either of you would recommend anyone who's interested in learning more and starting their journey of foster parenting? Um, so I don't remember the author, uh, we used used to have it in our office, but it was called three little words and it was written by the, uh, from the point of view of a foster child, um, and all about her experiences in foster care. Um, I think that is, is really wonderful. And then there's also a very short YouTube film um, called Removed. If you're ready for tissues and you yep. want you want to sit through something sad, it is sad, um, but it's also a reminder of why you know you want to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think those are wonderful. And then the only other thing that I would recommend for anybody who is you know interested in learning more about you know the psychology behind trauma in foster care. Um, there was this, this book that I read, I mean, 15 years ago that I recommend to all my foster parents now. Uh, it's called The Child Who Was Raised as a Dog. Um, and it was written by a child psychologist. And it's all about attachment. And foster parents who are willing to step up and form those attachments and those relationships can really impact the lives of these kids who are in every single community, including our community in Cranston. I'm a Cranston resident. Um, the foster kids are everywhere. And so if we can learn how we can form these attachments to help these kids, then we can see our community thrive. Do you have any books or recommendations you want to add, Chantel? Um, I was just thinking there's, it's not a book, but there's a TED talk that um, we reference a lot and it's really good. And, but I can't think of the title it, of the Ted talk. Is it every child deserves a champion? I think so. Yes. <laughs> that would Which be is it. also wonderful. <laughs> it's really good. That's a really good place to start. I think along with what Jess recommended. Another one about attachment. Mm-hmm. All right. Fantastic. Um, so I encourage our audience. I hope that this conversation inspired you to think more about fostering and possibly becoming a foster parent. Um, if you would like to reach out to us here at the show, you can email us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. And you also can reach out to us via social media with the hashtag downtimecpl. If you're feeling generous, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find the show. Thank you again for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Elena Rios, Nomi Haig, Robin Nizio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. 
And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts, connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not represent those of the Cranston Public Library. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only. The Cranston Public Library name, in all forms and abbreviation, are the property of its owners and its use does not imply endorsement or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. The content of this episode is the property of the Cranston Public Library and may not be reproduced without express written permission. Join us next week for more Downtime. Reach out to us here at the show. Nancy, I have to call you back later. (laughs) Can you pick it up and tell her I'll call her? Bye, David. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, a lot of things were happening. Um, All right, let me tell the outro one more time.